So I guess I will uh, get to my like because it, it already has come up. And I think it's really important that we mention this because, frankly, you just don't get a lot of movies that provide such creative representation of torture devices. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like the Terry Gilliam special right there. Like... Welcome to the Skiffy Fanny Show's Torture Cinema. A surprising amount of bestiality for 2005. Ken, I... <laughs> you wanted me to do the tagline. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, wait, wait. To make it proper, it should be a surprising amount of geriatric bestiality for 2005. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, God. I'm Sean. I'm Alex. I'm Daniel. And on this, our fifth ever live torture cinema on our twitch channel we cover brothers grim from 2005 it was directed by terry gilliam written by aaron kruger and stars matt damon heath ledger peter stormare lena hetty jonathan price and monica bellucci this movie was picked as a result of a poll selected by jeff exelon who gave me the theme of cult directors creating trash so I did some research to pick the four that were on the poll, and this is the one that won. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Basura. <laughs> nice reference. <laughs> As always, please share your comments with us about this and past episodes at skiffyandfanty.com slash listener suggestions. And if you're live with us today, feel free to throw thoughts and questions our way in the chat. Yeah, please do. So if you have comments about this movie, please let us know. Obviously, we take emails. Long emails can be sent to we don't give a shit at skiffyfanty.com. But uh, short emails that we could reasonably read on a, on a podcast can be sent to the form. With lots of praise. With lots of praise. That is true. Yeah. Pet our hair and tell us that we're pretty. <laughs> oh, it's creepy. Look, it's 2023 and, and we, we need all the support we can get. <laughs> That's true. We're just like the queen. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, I immediately went to Queen Elizabeth and I was like, <laughs> dead, like, entombed with our corgis? <laughs> Damn, you went darker than I was expecting. Well, I don't know That's a multi-layered. <laughs> that was a dark joke. Dang, Daniel. Whoa, we went, we went somewhere messed up. Oh man, the Daily Mail's gonna hate you. <laughs> gonna have articles in the sun the telegraph well i mean shit if they're writing about you in the sun you should get like a like a pin oh, badge God. of honor and then everyone in the north will shake your hand <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong oh good lord so as a reminder we will some of us may be consuming alcoholic beverages today we will discuss those some of us may not be i am i would remind folks at home please drink responsibly we have fun. We do not then go get in a car. Absolutely not. And potentially cause problems uh, if we are imbibing of the alcoholic beverage or taking quaaludes, if that is legal where you happen to live. I'm not taking that. Uh, do not take quaaludes. I, I mean, we, we, we are definitely against double dipping. If, if you are on any kind of prescribed medication, please read the warning labels and do not drink if it says don't drink. Is quaaludes a... a, a is that like prescribed yeah oh or at least it used to be back in the day i don't know depends on who you know i guess i thought that was like an illicit drug no what <laughs> it's, it's just a no. okay, so hold on <laughs> look literally the two times i've heard the the word quaaludes like when i was a kid in comedy right but i've like never looked it up i was like oh they must be talking about bad stuff so like whatever but recently i have had two separate times where quaaludes have come up and they both come up in situations that don't suggest that they are appropriate for recreational consumption. One of which is an episode of the new uh, Quantum Leap show where a guy is just casually on quaaludes and is completely messed up on the plane. And another one, uh, which is some movie with Leonardo DiCaprio where like they had to pretend to be on quaaludes oh. in a scene. Okay, so they were legal. They have been illegal since 1984 when they were moved from the DEA's. Oh. when they were moved to the DEA's federal schedule. Huh. 
Got it. So what I'm hearing is also don't do quaaludes. Also don't do quaaludes, and if you do are if you are doing them, do not tell us. Uh, yeah, that is illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just want to remind folks, you know, consumption responsibly and legally. Also, like, I know we're making jokes, but like, let's be real. Like, we do want people to be responsible. So, on that note, we do need to get to drinking. Uh, whatever beverage we may be imbibing, alcoholic or otherwise. Uh, Alex, you're first up. What what beverage are you drinking? So I am still perhaps permanently on the no alcohol train, sadly. But, you know, that's life. That's okay. So instead, I'm having a wild cherry Pepsi Zero. Ooh. Yeah. Tasty. One of my students, uh, I'm teaching a bunch of high school right students right now. They did tell me that they are straight up addicted to cherry Pepsi. <laughs> it's a good shit. Though I, I, I like Dr. Pepper and like cherry Dr. Pepper better, but... Not bad. Not bad. That's great. That's great. All right. What about you, Daniel? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a whiskey and root beer cocktail uh, with Sprecher's root beer, which I found. Uh, So I decided to get that in honor of uh, Paul and because he's talked about it so much. And I got to say, it's pretty damn good root beer made with honey and fire brewed, whatever the hell that means. Uh, And then it's with uh, Crown Royal Black. Ooh, nice, nice. Ooh, Crown Royal Black, you got fancy. And that's Canadian, is that not? It's Canadian, it is. Are you Canadian? I am not. I mean, I live in Buffalo, and so that's kind of like Canada South. Gotcha, okay, that makes that makes sense. Canadian by marriage, kind of. We've got Tim Hortons all over the place in Poutine, so effectively we're Canada. Uh, my, my city uh, ceased to be Canada because we lost our Tim Hortons and got a Dunkin'. Oh, God. And I, I will just say, no offense, Dunkin' Donuts, if you'd like to sponsor us, we will accept very small amounts of money because we're easy. But <laughs> I do miss the Tim Hortons. The Tim Hortons is pretty solid. I preferred the Tim Hortons to the Dunkins. Although that may just be because our Dunkin', it's just our, like, you know, not everyone is great. You know what I mean? I don't know. And so what are you drinking, Sean? Well, uh, I am... Not Duncan. <laughs> I am drinking themed today. I was going to drink one of my beverages I got at the brewery I was at today um, in Moorhead. But... Excellent name way... for a town, considering Moorhead. what happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Moorhead. <laughs> Ribbit. A little bit, but no. That that uh, I came home and I was like, "Let's go, let's go to the liquor store and try to get some stuff." Because I was googling, like, what's like a Brothers Grimm cocktail? I couldn't find one, so I was like, "Well, Heath Ledger's in this. What's another movie I like him in?" And I went Brokeback Mountain. So I went and looked to see if there was a Brokeback Mountain cocktail that I could cannibalize and make into something else. Uh, excuse me. The that that's homophobic, man. <laughs> what is it? I, I said, cannibalizing a Brokeback Mountain cocktail and making it for something for this movie. That's homophobia. <laughs> no, don't make me a bad person. <laughs> In Pride Month. <laughs> oh, you're right. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't. I really, I was just like, the first movie that came to mind was either that or 10 Things I Hate About You. And I was like, I can't sully 10 Things I Hate About You because that movie's beautiful and perfection, but Brokeback Mountain. I see, but you're going to sully Brokeback Mountain, a beautiful story about <sighs> two men finding love for each other while herding sheep. Yes, but it's also a movie like of two dudes who like should just get together but can't because of their homophobic society, and it's depressing. Ten Things I Hate About You. I mean, okay, like that one's also homophobic. Never mind. So you decided on a depressing cocktail. <laughs> well, I mean, Depression the Cocktail is basically this movie, so it's fine. Well. This is not going to get much better for me. It's just going to get worse from this point when I explain. Yeah, I I mean, the more you try to explain it, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to (laughs) keep messing with you. So I I went and looked, and Martha Stewart has made a Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) I don't know if it has anything to do with the movie. I just want to be very clear. I don't know. I didn't look that close. But Martha Stewart has made a Brokeback Mountain cocktail. And I went, that actually sounds kind of good, but I could make it better. But given the how weird about sexy things this movie is it also made me think of supernatural because it's two brothers who are in this case being con men looking for supernatural things as opposed to supernatural in which it's two brothers who actually are trying to find supernatural things that are legitimately there so i went huh what is something in fandom about supernatural that is a little bit uncomfortable but yet fans of certain interests uh are interested in and how do i mold that into a cocktail hold the fort alex (laughs) you're ahead of me 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I've been in the orbit of these fandoms for so long. I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> so I went, hey, it's Brothers Grimm. It's two brothers. They're dudes. So it's a little, you know, and how do we make that from a Brokeback Mountain cocktail into a Brothers Grimm cocktail? So what I am drinking is, in fact, a Brokeback Grimcess. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and it has within it uh, Jim Beam peach bourbon. It's got uh, peach schnapps, a little bit of amaretto, and then it also has peach syrup and uh, lemon lime soda. Oh my god, that sounds <laughs> very sweet. <laughs> it's sweet, but it is good. I, I cannot stand peach, so that sounds... <laughs> oh god. Okay. Well, it's okay, then, then we're not going to give you grandmother's house, so it's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Look, I'm, I do think that it feels wrong, but it also kind of feels right. <laughs> just do uh... See, now I just want to go into AO3 and see if Grimcest is an actual tag, and then I'll be sad that people have written fan fiction of this awful movie. No, no, please, no, they can't. Yeah, they have. They ha someone has to, right? I mean, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to fucking look. ChatGPT has, has definitely mined that. You can get on ChatGPT now and make some Grimcest. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and and first yes i did in fact put way too much thought into this it's, i don't know what's wrong with me i'm sorry uh, i just i wanted to have some fun it's actually a really good cocktail it is sweet i think that you could do something to cut the sweetness but i don't know i think it's pretty good i mean you could not use peach bourbon but i wanted like all the different peaches in one place because that fit the 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 theme mm -hmm. of many related fruits being together in one place. <laughs> yeah. It is my deep, deep regret to inform you that there are 45 fanfics on AO3 for Brothers, the Brothers Grimm 2005. <laughs> <laughs> All with Grimcest. Uh, in, with Grimcest? <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, I mean, th this one doesn't appear to have sex in it at all, but, uh... Oh, that's our, is there Grimcest? I mean, they are two handsome men in this movie. I mean, there's there's one of the tags, sibling love. Oh, yeah, there it is. Mm -hmm. There it is, so... Oh, my good, This is... Let's be clear, I'm not going to read it. No, no, absolutely. I, I, no, I, I would not suggest it. <laughs> I did read somewhere someone, no. someone who wanted a sequel to this and was very disappointed that a sequel to the movie wasn't made. So, you know, <sighs> well, you did... might have your writing prompt here. <laughs> no one wanted a sequel to this. No, like its box office was terrible. It was a... Especially not the director. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, no. Like Terry Gilliam. Like, I can't believe he made this shit. What the hell is he? Well, I, there, there's actually an interview where Ter Terry Gilliam just flat out admits that the only reason he made, he directed this movie is because they offered him an absolutely unseemly amount of money. Right. Which, you know what? Good for him. Get that bread. That's fair. That's a fair point. You would think he'd be the right one for a movie like this, because he's got very quirky, fantastic-y movies. I have theories. Huh. Okay, we'll come back to it. So, uh, we've got to drinky drinks, and now we need to get to what will be the movie itself. Now, Daniel has, for reasons that still are unclear to me, volunteered to try to explain this movie. And I will say, try again, because... <laughs> uh, good, luck. good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So, I volunteered because it's the only way I could process to figure out what the hell i had just watched and what had just happened <laughs> so it was it was basically like like an almost therapeutic it was like, processing and, of and a so, trauma like, I had something to say during the episode of like what i liked or didn't like because i had no fucking clue what was going on <laughs> through most of watching it oh dear all right so synopsis it's 1812 and wilhelm will matt damon and jacob aka jake Heath Ledger, Grimm, are brothers making a living traveling through the German states as con artists. Mm. They research local lesbians and then stage supernatural horrors together with two dim-winded partners in order to frighten innocent townsfolk into hiring them to rid the area of witches, hauntings, or other monsters. Jake is the bookish and timid brother who is convinced that some truth of magic must underlie all these legends he pours over and writes down, while the more cynical and bombastic Will, who's also quite a bit of a dick, <laughs> sells their flim-flam with his winning smile and charms, 
all while constantly reminding and berating his younger brother of the damn magic beans the hopeful and gullible Jake purchased 15 years ago for their sick sister, rather than the medicine he was sent to procure. So yeah, 15 years later, still berating his brother. The Grimm brothers' enterprise becomes threatened, though, by the occupying forces of France, who have recently taken over land from German states. The French general, Vavarine de la Tome, played by Jonathan Price, is onto the brothers' con, and France is eager to wipe out the outdated superstitious traditions of those ignorant German populations. In lieu of executing the brothers and their two assistants, Delatome enlists them to solve the problem of missing girls in the supposedly haunted forest surrounding the village of Marbaden. To keep an eye on the brothers, Delatome sends along his Italian torturer, who he just happens to have standing around really wanting to use mechanisms of torture, Cavaldi, played by Peter Stormare. At the village, they're greeted by a wary populace and the rambling pessimism of an old crone, but one kid seems to have heard news of the brothers and wonders about them. A strapping young lad, wait, no, a girl named Sasha, whose father then points the brothers to the house of a trapper slash hunter who could show them the woods. There they meet Angelica, Lena Hedy, and Will is confused by this at first and asks if perhaps there might be somebody with a penis at home. <laughs> when she ignores him, he then asks if maybe there are some other penises about. This plays out for a bit until the two brothers grudgingly berate her to take them into the woods. There they discover the magic of the haunted forest appears very real, with walking trees, a huge threatening wolf slash werewolf, a tall, tall tower with 12 stone coffins surrounding it, and a frog you can lick. A frog with frog camel toe. Yes, that is a thing. <laughs> there, Angelica tells the story. She heard about this tower from her father, played by Tomas Anik, who has died from a pack of wolves, though obviously to everyone is not actually dead. The tale is of a 500-year-old Thuringian queen, played by Monica Bellucci, who made a pact for immortality after trying to flee the plague by climbing up a tower and failing, not surprisingly, but unknowingly with the cost of her youthful beauty. For the Scooby gang of the Grimm brothers and Angelica, it's then out of the woods, back into the woods, bad guys feeding spiders to a horse that then turns into spider horse that then goes and eats a girl to take her into the woods, the Grimm brothers back out of the woods. Oh no, the French have arrived because they're as tired of waiting as the audience is. Mm -hmm. Sasha loses her face to a mud monster and turns into a gingerbread man. Meanwhile, Angelica and the brothers save one of the stolen girls, but Angelica gets taken in her place by the huntsman father, who has been made the queen's wolf slave by a magic spike in his chest. Oh. The witch awakens from long sleep to blow some cold air throughout the land that throws the French army into disarray. Meanwhile in the woods, Jake gets the bewitched huntsman's axe, which is magical, and the trees are scared of it, so the brothers can be relatively safe. Hmm. General Delatome, who has since executed the brothers' two partners, takes Cavaldi to follow them into the woods, but once there, this bloodthirsty torturer Cavaldi decides maybe he's had enough of this BS and refuses to shoot the brothers. So Delatome shoots him instead before being attacked by the trees. This gives Jake the opportunity to get up in the tower to fight the witch while Will fights Delatome. Will dispatches the French general, who it turns out really just only wanted some quiche, and then goes up in the tower to help Jake, who has been pinned to the wall by the witch queen. The witch queen forces Will and Jake to fight when suddenly Will is encouraged to encourage his younger brother rather than berate him as he has been for the whole movie. Will gets mortally wounded, but the witch transfers the bewitching spike from her old servant, the Hudsman, to Will, her new hunk. But before the bewitched Will can kiss the evil witch queen to set her fully into youth and power, Jake smashes the mirror, which somehow causes the witch herself to also shatter. Then it's barely an inconvenience for Jake to wake Angelica with, with a kiss, and then Angelica to magically heal Will with a kiss. Or is he just hiding his recovery because he wants to get a kiss? It's unclear. All the other children just seem to wake up on their own, thankfully, without kisses. And everyone heads back into the village, just like the end of Temple of Doom. Will and Jake ride off and musing that maybe someday they'll write these stories down. Okay. Look, what you said 
doesn't help me. <laughs> I tried. I mean, like, all you've done is you pointed out... It still makes no sense. There's a plot. There's a plot that's at the middle, but then it's just like... Is there, though? Other things happen. It's randomness. It's random little things that... Yeah, right, yeah. That loosely get connected together. I mean, the central plot is... Convoluted. Two way. brothers have to find out why this weird witch lady is, is doing witch stuff. And that's basically the main point. And then they're just like, we'll tack on 87 other things. And also random Brothers Grimm stories will happen in the story. Because why not? Mm -hmm. Even when you do what Daniel did, which must have taken you a whole week planning <laughs> to put all these pieces down. It, it just, it's just, exa it's exhausting. What the hell were they thinking? I don't know. They weren't. Alex, help us. They weren't thinking. You're not wrong. I mean, when... My housemate actually watched the movie with me, which she had apparently watched it before and then watched it over again. Oh, was like, I, I apparently retained none of this the first time I watched this. <laughs> but partway through, she remarked, man, I don't normally notice this about movies, but the editing in this sucks. It's not great. It's not great. And, and then it actually like I went in not knowing you know, who any of the actors were. So I was immediately like, holy shit, is it Matt Damon and, and Heath Ledger? My God, why are they in this garbage pile? And then yep. it took me a, like longer, which I think is a problem, to realize that it was being directed by Terry Gilliam. At which point I was like, I mean, Terry Gilliam makes some weird choices and, and, and does like his own sort of quirky, disjointed, you know, editing narrative. But his normally makes sense in a way-ish. Yeah. So what I'm going to guess after going and doing a little bit of research is that at one point, the movie probably had a cut that did make sense and felt like a Terry Gilliam movie instead of whatever the fuck I watched. And then he spent six months fighting with fucking Harvey Weinstein about it. Yep. And we got that because <laughs> apparently like the fighting about the cut of the movie got so bad that he actually put it down for six months and made an entirely different movie in the meantime made Thailand. Yeah. yeah yeah this movie was delayed by 10 months from its original release date in part because of the acrimony that existed between them now to be fair <sighs> there's some uh good reason for why that acrimony exists other than uh harvey weinstein's a piece of garbage which would be good enough it, w it was both Weinsteins, too. It wasn't just... It was both Weinsteins, yeah. So apparently, yeah. Uh, the Weinsteins made a number of choices that G Gilliam did not want made, including hiring Lena Headey instead of Samantha Morton. Because oh, because yeah, go for Matt it. Damon and Heath Ledger wouldn't want to fuck the other lady. Yeah, that was the reason offered by Weinstein. Pretty gross. And I will say Terry Gilliam has, has been accused by Lena Headey of of constantly bullying her, which doesn't seem very fair given that it wasn't her. She was probably excited. She got a job. Like, isn't that cool, right? Right, so, yeah. It's not really her fault that Harvey Weinstein is a piece of shit. So, yeah, so there's that. There were a lot of decisions being made here that just, they couldn't be uh, credited. Terry Gilliam and one of his other writer friends, Tony Grissoni, Due to problems with the Writers Guild of America, they couldn't be credited for the writing they did on the original script. So they apparently credited themselves as dress pattern makers in the credits, which <laughs> we skipped when we watched the movie. We should have so that we would have seen this, which sounds like a very Terry Gilliam thing to do. Like, this just sounds like a tortured production. Yeah. The cinematographer was also fired, forced to be changed by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a string of shit. Yeah. I mean, it looks that way, right? It looks like a. Uh a mess because the whole production was a mess yeah and yeah. it was a toxic environment so it became a toxic film yeah but it i i wonder if even before that though it just seems to be such a hodgepodge it's like multiple movies in one yeah um just kind of forced together multiple ideas yeah it just tones. doesn't make a lot of sense and it doesn't have an emotional through line no <laughs> it doesn't like what i like, I mean, there, there is... Like, why is he still an asshole to his brother? I don't understand. Like... Well, and I mean, this is, like, the, the whole thing where it starts out with the magic beans, and then he keeps bringing it up the entire time. Yeah. Like, you never find out kind of fully what happened. And, you know, it's obviously supposed to be kind of like a takeoff on the Jack and the Beanstalk story, except here they're being like, look, here are some stories that are that are real. But that one, I guess, was not. 
So that that started it off on a really weird foot to begin with. When you're supposing also not a German tale, by the way. Yeah. It's originally yeah. English. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> thoughts on that later. But like, um, that, I think that was supposed to be like the conflict between the brothers, and it would eventually be resolved because you know what I'm guessing is that like their little sister died, and I don't know, maybe their mom also died. I don't know. They never tell us. We don't know. But there's never any kind of like resolution to it. Mm. It's just Matt Damon keeps being an asshole to Heath Ledger until the end, where he's like, okay, I guess I'll stop being an asshole about the magic beans now. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Okay, cool, I guess. Cool. How'd you learn that lesson, friend? Mm-hmm. No the, idea. The spike in his chest. <sighs> that's true. That is one way to do it. I mean, you know, once he gets two things stabbed through his chest, apparently that's that's the man. That's the cure. Yeah, that does it. Ah, uh, weird. Well, shall we get to uh, the likes and dislikes of this movie? We'll start with likes, of course, because I think that would be a good place to start. And since Daniel is our fresh blood on this one, well, I, I've done this. No, hold on. Hold on. You're okay. going to take the, the magic spike to the chest. Okay. You're going to take this. I'll do it. So, in there. All right. No, you will go first. What is your one like for this movie? I was actually surprised I came up with a few. So, I'll mention more later if nobody does. But the first one is the costumes. And so, the costumes were done by Gabriella Pescucci. So, obviously, I looked that up. Yeah. She's also done costumes for the Borgias, uh, Penny Dreadful, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, and The Age of Innocence. Oh. So she's worked with Terry Gilliam before. Mm. And so in general, looking at the, the dresses that the girls in their coffins had, the gown for the queen, the traditional garb worn by the villagers and such, I thought the costumes were definitely a bright point of the, mm. the film. Okay. Yeah, the costumes, I, I agree. Somewhere where they actually paid attention. <laughs> they seem to have fun with them. Yes. And uh, those wild, you know, crazy armor that was over the top. And actually, of all the over-the-top things in this movie, that was the one that I thought kind of fit the best. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I think the costumes are perfectly fine. They're pretty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. A little bit muddy around there, though. They're get ruining them with mud. It's not fun. Oh, that mud monster. Oh, God. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Anytime they tried to do, like, legit CG in this, it's just like, stop. Yeah, and and it's like... Yeah. I mean, it was 2005, and there were movies that did not look like garbage yeah. in 2005, so... Right? I mean, you said this was delayed by 10 months? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it would have been some finished some point in, in late yeah. 03 or early 04. It really felt, while watching it, that it was delayed by a decade. Right? Yeah, it really felt more like a 90s. From, yeah. Like a pre-Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah it does. But that and just the, the cultural aspects of it, the general tone of the movie, everything about it seems like mid-early 90s. But I mean, it definitely had, like, the 90s ha-ha homophobic jokes in it, yeah. so. yeah. Uh, well, there's that. Yeah, it definitely had quite a lot of that. Certainly the sexism that would have been still present in the 2000s, but the 90s had their own special brand. It, there is some of that feeling here. I don't know what... I just don't understand this movie. It's it's bewildering how Terry Gilliam makes this. But likes. <laughs> but the costumes are good, I guess. Yeah. Alex, do you have a like? Uh, I do, actually. And while I know the mud monster did not look great... <laughs> I actually found the part of the with the mud monster where Sasha's face gets like smeared off. Mm. Like up until the gingerbread man thing happens. I was like, that was actually pretty creepy. And then spider horse. Oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Spider like those. I, I actually were like, those are genuinely creepy and weird in a Terry Gilliam kind of way. Like, sure. Yeah, like the few rare moments where you could be like, oh, yeah, I can I can see Terry Gilliam in this. I mean, also, weirdly, not that I like them, but I was like, no, this is this is where the Terry Gilliam is actually coming out is like the scene in the torture chamber. <gasps> that, OK, <laughs> um, but but yeah, like so really, I, I would say like the scenes like those two specific ones, but the, the rare scenes where it actually felt like a fucking Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah, yeah but they were few and far between. 
but I, I did enjoy definitely those things in particular when you're like it's weird and creepy but also a little funny yeah I agree like the spider horse thing is legitimately pretty creepy oh yeah that was creepy though, though I will say like the the spider horse itself I really didn't like the lead up where the, the kid was like petting the horse and said something about you have a pretty mouth and I was like oh, no, that- <laughs> you oh. do not say anything about anyone's mouth whether they are human or animal unless you are like fucking so no <laughs> right that was weird those were just the lines from Red Ro- Riding Hood <laughs> no done terrible dialogue that kid was creepier there were a bunch of scenes that right that like why was that scene acted in such a weirdly creepy i don't know yeah kind of vaguely sexual way like why i didn't like mm, 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 mm. you could just say you have a cute you're a beautiful horse you have a beautiful muzzle you have nice nice fur, like but you could say it in a way that wasn't the way that kid was oh I mean, you know, it's it's one thing where you could be like, your nose is very soft, or you're, you know. Right. And that would put you in the vicinity for the, the web spitting. <laughs> I feel like they were clearly going for the Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, it was literally the Red Riding Hood lines of, my what big eyes you have, my what big ears you have. Yeah. But it was so creepily said. But then again, it was never like, a pretty mouth, it was what big teeth you, you have. have. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I, mm, I don't like it. This is true. And just delivered in such a strange way yeah yeah i don't know there, there are moments in this film where it's just like acting decisions are being made and you're like but why why, <laughs> why is that the decision you made i don't quite get it i like peter stormare it's not my like but like he's really fun to watch he's just having a ball i mean him and um the guy who plays the the french general oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're both just like i'm gonna fucking chew through the scenery in every scene i'm in because fuck it and i was like i appreciate this yeah because i think you can't go into this movie and like play it totally straight this is a silly idea this whole thing so you get those actors who just like they have one of two options they can phone it in or they could just give a bananas performance and some people are giving a bananas performance some people are kind of phoning it in this is not lena hetty's best performance now to be fair now that i know about the behind the scenes not surprised not surprised but on the other hand like again i i I forgot his name but the guy playing the french general there was the one line at the end Mm. where I think it was Matt Damon was like, you killed my friends. And then he's just like, I only wish you had more. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was, mm. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, oh God, who was it? Uh, uh, it's, uh, he's the oh guy who God, plays governor actor. Swan in, in the pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. The name is escaping me at the moment. Oh, I think I said his name. I'm sure, I'm sure he did. Cause he had a big part, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he has, but like, that's, he was just like, this movie is trash. I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> He he gets fun lines, but there is like a a, a sense of like they kind of come out of nowhere, which is goes back to the editing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's mixed in with people being very earnest. Yeah, yeah. in their acting. And, yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, the entire role of Cavaldi just feels like in an you know if this movie had been made twenty years ago, Eric Idle would have been playing that character. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. I can totally see it. Oh my god, that'd be fun. I mean, it's like a caricature of an Italian. But I mean, Peter Stormare was doing his best Eric Idle, and and bless his heart. He was he was trying, yeah, <laughs> very much giving us a cartoon, uh, a cartoon Italian person. Oh my god, which is a pretty interesting choice. Yeah. So I guess I will uh, get to my like because it it already's come up, and I think it's really important that we mention this because. Frankly, you just don't get a lot of movies that provide such creative representation of torture devices. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like the Terry Gilliam special right there. Like, it was something else to watch. Like one of his cartoons, yeah, or animations. Like he has this bananas, like spinning contraption with a with spikes, and like it goes inside a barrel, and it like spins and like comes and like chops. I guess chops you up. It's like a blender, like a giant blender, <laughs> like a really big blender that doesn't move fast enough, so it's just gonna hurt really bad. And it's kind of amazing. I don't know. It liquefied the kitten, which I found very upsetting. Okay, I, I forgot about that part. Thanks a lot for ruining my life. <laughs> I hate, I hate that so much. I oh god, the animal abuse. Damn it. Sorry. That's why that couldn't be my like, is I found that so upsetting. Yeah, never. But you know, we can save it. We can talk about instead the amazing thing where 
where the, the, the two actors are like upside down in the chairs with the glass boxes over their heads that are full of snails. Yes. Oh yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. And like the crank for turning it where I was like, Oh yeah, that's that's Terry Gilliam hundred <laughs> percent is like this weird like fisted hand. <laughs> like- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun to see I mean, they're probably completely impractical and I don't know exactly how the snails are torture, except that it's weird, but like I mean, it's still just really, really interesting stuff for like how you come up with torture devices, and and without re- mostly doesn't really show any like graphicness because it's a PG thirteen movie. But I just really enjoyed watching like how much Peter Stormare's character is just like giddy with all these devices, and he's just like wee, like having a good old time. And he's so disappointed when he doesn't get to use them. Yeah, he's so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow would probably spend, like, some good money to be, you know, dipped upside down in whatever that was with snails on her face for her skin. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the new snail treatment from Goop. Ooh, definitely. It definitely cures toe cancer. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Well, let's get to some dislikes. Of course, we've gotten to some already, but uh, I would like to start with Alex this time. And then we'll go to Daniel and then myself. So, Alex, what is your your dislike for this movie? So, if my likes were when the movie felt most like a Terry Gilliam movie, my dislikes were pretty much everything else. Because the entire, like, the movies, the incoherent script aside, uneven acting beside, weird directing aside, the movie's main, like, tonal problem is that it was either too Terry Gilliam or not Terry Gilliam enough. Mm. It was in the bad Gilliam zone of like, it was trying to be weird and funny and dark, but it was not weird enough or dark enough or funny enough. So it was just bleh. Yeah. Inconsistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there were scenes that were like slapstick, but it didn't make any sense in the context of the rest of the movie. And you were like, I guess this is funny. And then you, you put, you know, Matt Damon and Heath Ledger phoning it in in another scene, and you're just like, well, okay, you're not excited to be here. I guess neither am I. Yeah. Yeah. So I also kind of always thought that that comedy was like, part of the reason why it never worked for me, it was always mocking and spiteful. Yeah. Mm. Like the accents, like it was just making fun of people, like cultural groups, whether it be the French or the Germans. Yeah. Or then based on some kind of like sadistic sort of violence against something, whether it be animal or human or even just object. Yeah. It just seemed to be very, the comedy was a very negative kind of comedy to me. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like you, you got some stuff like that because, you know, like I, I love original Monty Python and, you know, obviously yeah. Terry Gilliam had a lot of influence on that though. I, I think they were sort of a moderating influence on him to not keep him from getting too weird. But like, <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the Monty Python humor was also so is is it's so seated in like Britishness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which this movie did not have. So it just doesn't work. For some reason, it feels a lot better for British people to be making fun of French people yeah. than for like something that feels very American to be making fun of the French. It is yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. It, there's something about like the accents in particular just are very confused. British people are playing French people. A Danish person is playing an Italian. Germans are being played by a combination of Americans, Australians, and Brits. It's just kind of like all over the place. And then Matt Damon and Heath Ledger are doing the sort of like (laughs) vaguely, we're totally not American, but we're pretending to be ever so slightly British bullshit accent. Well, Heath Ledger's Australian. Uh But in German. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, we're in Germany. Yeah. Well, it's weird because, like, Matt Damon, this is, like, one of several movies where Matt Damon tries to be British, and this might be the one where he's the best at it, which is... That is an indictment. (laughs) It's not good. He's much better at a South African accent, and he's not very good at that, to be honest. But that's partly because Clint Eastwood, like, directed that movie, and, like, Clint Eastwood's notorious for... Like when he's done, he's done, and we just you just move. Like you do like one, maybe two takes, and you're just out of the door. Even if things aren't right, he's just he's sort of notorious for this, which is why sometimes his films are very uneven. <laughs> so 
it's just very strange because like for Heath Ledger being British is a lot easier because he's Australian. So his accent, there's a lot of nat, mm. there's not that many turns, but like Americans being British, difficult. Brits being American, difficult. Unless you're Heath Ledger's and then you can just fucking do anything you want. <laughs> and it's really strange. And this movie is mean. It is weirdly mean. Like, why are the Germans all like backwards by comparison to the villains of the movie, like, they all, like, live in hovels and everything's, like, full of mud and, like, I don't understand. Why are the French, like, irredeemably all evil? What's going on? I don't understand. It makes no sense. I have some thoughts on that, but I can get to it later if there's time. No, go for it. Give me your thoughts. Yeah. So it's something that I think get lost in the movie, so it's kind of a like, but also a dislike in that they didn't play it up better. Okay. So I found it an interesting kind of commentary, perhaps, on sort of the colonialization concept of occupied peoples. Uh-huh. So you have the French coming in as occupiers, and the whole gimmick or the whole idea of this is that Delatome wants to get rid of their sort of ignorant backward ways of relying on superstition and come into sort of the rational French way of thinking with the French Revolution. And so they come in, and his way of doing that is utterly destroying their traditions, their their folklore, their belief in the supernatural. That they're going to destroy to base, basically break the will of the occupied people. Oh. And they, on the other hand, are like resiliently like, no, the forest is coming alive and going to beat the shit out of you people that are coming in and taking us over. Because the movie, at least when they first arrive, it makes that anti-occupier, you know, hostility really clear. But then it never really does anything with it until the... Because they're doing like 20 billion other things in the movie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that would be a more interesting story of (laughs) we're doing the grim supernatural thing with this as our political, socio-political backdrop. That could be interesting. Yeah. As long as they don't pull a Robin Hood. Where just so for some reason they just happen to be using catapults the way that you use uh, the air force for <coughs> missile drops. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, so okay. Well, great. Well, Daniel, what about your dislike? What is your dislike? So a lot of them we talked about already, uh, but within sort of the realm of lack of character development. Okay. And what I was just talking about, um, I don't understand the point of the movie. There isn't one. <laughs> I mean, and so same hat. <laughs> <laughs> Have the characters learned anything? And so, like, what was the point of this? Like, with fairy tales, with folklore, the point of it is always, like, some lesson. Yeah. It's some kind of moral. It might be violent. It might be mean-spirited. It might, you know, be... And whether you're good or bad, you're going to suffer. There, But there's still some kind of message and something that people learn. And with this, I don't know what that is. It might be, like don't poke the bear or you might get attacked. Like, don't make fun and be a con artist about the supernatural because then they might come after you. That would have made a lot more sense. Don't be a dick, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see Will or Jake, for that matter, really changing at all in this movie. And so I don't get that sense and I dislike that they didn't do that at all. And where there was change, it was just forced to make an ending. I mean, that's an interesting point, because the way the movie ends is effectively kind of where it began with the with the adults of the characters. Because all of the characters that pretty much everybody is either dead or still back at the place where they live, who in some way were introduced as either antagonists or people they're supposed to interact with or some right they just like leave and go to some other town and it's like it, it it just like new movies started over i think you're right that like because that doesn't go anywhere it almost feels like this is just an, an a too long tv movie for a tv show that is just like the next week's another brother's grim tale grim tale yeah instead of you know this is a movie that should have an ending mm-hmm. uh-huh. on its own and yeah. and that lack of growth means that it's the characters just, like, you don't care. I mean... Why, why should we care about these brothers? Like, the only character who had an actual fucking emotional development arc was Cavaldi. Right! Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, like, goes from... He discovered the magic of friendship! <laughs> right? <laughs> I love him! I love him! He's kind of adorable towards the end when he, like, does discover the magic of friendship, as you put it. But 
everybody else doesn't. And it it's kind of like, it's weirdly like they somehow made these people that supposedly actually exist, these two brothers, boring. Yeah. Which is alarming, given how much story they've given us. That's what we get, is these two, like, really boring versions of the character who do nothing? Like, okay. Apparently. Mm-hmm. What a waste of, like, $100 million, $75 million, however much fucking money they spent on this fucking thing. I think it was, like, 75 I cannot believe you spent $75 million on this. 75 in 2005 money. How do you spend that much money on that? Where did it go? Wasn't a lot of it spent on that cracking mirror, cracking witch or queen? Really? Well, apparently there was, like... A... I think that special effect took a lot. There was a big special effects sequence that was supposed to come near the beginning of the movie, and it got cut because it was, like... Too cool. <laughs> oh. You know that Steven Soderbergh did a cut of this movie? I did not. Be interested to see what it looked like. I want to know where that is. I heard that he, like, recommended what the start of the movie should be or something to Terry Gilliam. Oh, well, if, that, if that's what we got. That's all that I had seen. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, this movie's uh, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is your dislike? Well... I've been thinking a lot about what did I dislike more about this movie because so much of what we dis I think it makes this movie really terrible is we've already covered like bad plot, not not good character motivations or development or growth, uh, really nonsensical things, weird jokes about a child who's actually a girl but they think it's a boy, which like okay. I guess you made it once and you moved on, so at least there's that. But, like, why do we need this joke in the first place? Who cares? There's just a lot. And I think the thing that I find really alarming is its treatment of animals. Yes. Because I had forgotten about the kitten thing. And I I was like, I'm glad I had until you brought it back to my memory. I don't like animal abuse in general, I don't like when animal abuse that feels real, like people doing a potentially realistic harm to an animal. The like horse being like infested by weird spider, supernatural spiders, that didn't bug me because like that's not real. Nobody's feeding mutant spiders to a a horse. That's not a thing that can ever happen. But like people do do horrible things to cats. People do do horrible things to other animals. I believe absolutely that someone is just randomly picking up fucking toads and licking them because which it's kind of funny but like also leave the toads alone like it's just (laughs) so you have like two angles you have like the side which is like they do a lot of like really cruel things i mean obviously no real animals are actually hurt but like they show animals being horribly killed or hurt somehow i I was gonna say in the in the case of the toad the toad is weird and sexual sexual. that's what i'm getting to the other side of it is like on the one hand it's violent and just i don't know if i'm supposed to laugh like when they set fire to the butts of the horses right yeah Am I supposed to be scared? Am I supposed to feel... Some of the scenes I think we're supposed to think it's kind of funny, but I don't. I don't find that funny. Yeah, that's disturbing. And then there's like the sexual side. So that like abuse side, sexual side, which is like animals being talked to, licked, touched in ways that at the very least from the human side feel sexual, which is, ah, it's fucking weird. I don't need that. I'm good. But then, of course, you have to go the extra level because it's Terry Gilliam, which means like... You're right, the toad, which our joke at the very beginning about the camel toe, like, yeah, it's the camel toad. Like, he just, like, flips over and is like, hey, <laughs> like, we got we got totalingus going on. And I'm just like, why Why is this, Why are we making this joke? Like, it's not actually funny. It's it's really gross. And they linger on it. This, this fucking frog toad thing is, like, splayed legs, like, at a gynecological exam and is just, like, fucking get to work. And they just, like, casually move on as though that's not what happened. And it's just kind of uncomfortable, and it wasn't funny. It was kind of gross. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable in a way that, that is not humorous. Yeah. It's just, like, why would you do that? Why would you put this in a movie? Yeah, like... Harry Gilliam, no. Are they trying to make a joke about, like, when you kiss a frog, like, you'll get a prince thing? And so they're, like, reversing it? But like yeah, there's no logic to it. It's just like yeah, I just want the I just want the, the toad to want totalingus, and that's what we're going with today. Yeah, it's I, the fact that I can say the word totalingus because it fits this <laughs> fucking movie. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not good. 
<laughs> I hate it. This movie sucks, guys. Like, I, it's not great. So much of it is just utterly inexplicable of why they made yeah. the choices that they did. Mm-hmm. And it's unclear who made those choices either, with it being such a hodgepodge. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who, who, who do we even get to blame for this? We're not sure. So let's just blame all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than um, the, the lady who got had a rough time filming the movie, because it definitely wasn't her fault. Lena Headey. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, that's what I know, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, there were some times, like, as soon as I realized who she was, and then, you know, Matt Damon's character was being a complete asshole to her, and I was like, do not fuck with Cersei. She will end you, buddy. <laughs> she will. Yeah. She's not going to fuck around. No, definitely not. That's so strange. Yeah, this movie's also really boring. It is. It, yeah. Like, it's. I, I want to say the running time is actually less than two hours. It does not feel like a movie that's less than two hours. It takes so long to get to its actual main plot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so fucking boring. Like, isn't it like halfway through before we get to the plot that the supernatural is actually real and there's the tower thing? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, holy shit. Well, how long was it into that synopsis that I read? All right. It's, it's so. Yeah. Oh, it's so convoluted. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't... But what's weird is that it's the opposite of what I'm used to from Gilliam, because everything about Gilliam's style is like these wide-angle shots, very frenetic action. Yeah. Momentum. Yeah. And there is bits and pieces of that, but then somehow, paradoxically, it also ends up being agonizingly aimless and boring. Yep. I will just say, if I was not live chatting in the Skiffing Fanny Patreon Discord about this movie, I would have straight fallen asleep because there were some moments where I'm just sitting here at my computer while it's streaming and I'm like going, but I was like, no, I better type something because I need to keep awake. This is one of those movies that if Jen was here, Jen would tell you, I fell asleep, but I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Because that has happened in precisely one other movie, which also had a plot that made almost no sense that we covered many, many years ago called Giver. Uh, I remember listening to that episode. And I think you could sleep in this movie, wake up 30 minutes later, and be just as confused as you were when you (laughs) fell asleep. Yeah. Because there's almost no moment in the movie where it sort of like stops and formally announces, this is what the movie is about. It's sort of like things sort of happen, and then it starts to do a thing and then wanders off into the ether. It's almost as though maybe they were licking, you know, toxic <laughs> toads and were getting a little bit mm, while they were making this movie. No, because the toad showed the characters the direction to go into. Right. So yeah. That's right. Been... <laughs> you lick a toad and it shows you the direction you need to These go. These people were following the fucking trees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I, I do have two minor dislikes I would just like to add just as little stingers. Sure. First off. The fact that they're supposed to be German and they keep calling him Jake. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. That fucking annoyed me the whole time. And then the other thing that I find deeply upsetting is that this movie is old enough to vote. <laughs> 2005 was 18 years ago. You're right. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm very angry about it. It's not even necessarily the film's fault, but I'm really pissed about it. my lord along the lines of jake the one thing that kept annoying me is that at least twice in the movie delatome says something about bingo yeah which was i just looked it up to verify it was invented over a hundred years after this movie is set i mean (laughs) let's not get into the historical accuracy (laughs) no not at all (laughs) <laughs> I do find it amusing that they, uh, th- someone somewhere, I guess, asked a descendant of the actual Grimm brothers their take on the movie, and his take was basically like, it was fine, just don't go to it for accuracy. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sort of like, this is, I mean, like, what else is he gonna say in the interview? Like, nah, that was a piece of shit. Like, no, <laughs> they're never gonna talk to him again in Hollywood, so, Yeah. <laughs> It's it's true. He does not have the cachet of of some of the older directors that are, will just willingly come out and say, "No, it's that movie's <laughs> garbage." Yeah, they don't have they don't have the the like Martin Scorsese like no Marvel movies aren't real movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's Martin Scorsese, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. He can basically do that. Yeah, it's it's wild. Ugh. 
So I do have one minor like that left. Okay, go Ooh, for it. Give I us your minor like. So I love this guy, Delatome's valet, or steward, oh who was played by Czech actor Martin Kavan. Oh my gosh. I loved his wig. Oh, yeah. He had the perfect facial expressions in the background the whole movie. I was paying more attention to this background character <laughs> than I was to the main characters that were scene stealing and chewing lines. Um, I like the background character better. And he did have two lines at the very end of the movie. I don't remember what they were exactly, but one was like, don't you harm my general or something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> and he delivered them perfectly. Good for him. Well, it was filmed in Poland. No, it was the Czech Republic. Czech, Czech Republic. Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense that they put in some, uh, some local talent as it were, which is pretty nice. Yeah. The uh, Huntsman was also from yeah. Czech Republic. That was originally going to be Robin Williams. Really? Yeah. I do not see that at all. That It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That could have made the movie even more inexplicable, yeah. to be honest. Can you imagine, like, the, the, the weird werewolf huntsman guy just doing Robin Williams voices? <laughs> <laughs> He's just he's just getting wilder and wilder, <laughs> doing his weird uh, hairy arm jokes and, like... My queen! <laughs> yeah, doing all his little, like, Mrs. Doubtfire impressions and... All this stuff. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. Apparently, both Matt Damon and Heath Ledger were, and Robin Williams were all sad that he couldn't be in it. Apparently, Heath Ledger really wanted to work with Robin Williams, and it was vice versa. And unfortunately, Heath Ledger's last, I think, film, which he was unable to complete, was a Terry Gilliam film. The Was it the Dr. Parnassus? Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus which they required to pull in a number of other actors to basically do morphs from Heath Ledger into these other versions of the same character. Mm-hmm. So that way they brought in like Colin, uh, Colin Farrell and a bunch of other folks to kind of do quick, quick short versions so that they could try to make the movie still work. And that's basically the last film that he ever did. It's a really interesting film. I do recommend watching it, but yeah, a little sad. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice to have had like a Heath Ledger Robin Williams movie. That'd have been pretty cool. It could be interesting. Yeah. More interesting than this movie. Yeah, just not this one. <laughs> unfortunately, we lo- fortunately we lost them both for very similar reasons, which is yeah, really unfortunate. But yeah, so I do miss both of them. They're really exceptional. Yeah. I mean, not not every movie an actor makes is going to be a good one, but they had a lot of good ones. That is a fair point. Just not this one. This is not one of them. Yeah. There are better movies you can watch Heath Ledger in or, or Matt Damon. Yeah, Born Identity. You can watch Ten Things I Hate About You. You could watch Brokeback Mountain if you like something that's a little gay, uh, which you know you need in your life. It's just a little, just a like, little, like two percent. Just the tip. Yeah, it's just the tip. Yeah. Dogma, if you want comedy. Yeah. Oh, Dogma for yeah. some. There you go. Uh, you could also obviously go to Dark Knight, uh, which has what earned a posthumous. Uh, Academy Award for Heath Ledger. So there's lots of choices. So, yeah, point is. Yeah, sadly, I don't know as I've seen Heath Ledger in anything other than this and The Dark Knight. Okay, I'm going to fix you right now. I don't know as I've ever seen any other movie with him. Go watch uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. It's delightful. Yes, 10 Things I Hate About You is is really fun. And then, oh God, what's the... the one where he's a knight? Karina really loves that one. Oh. It's like, it's popcorn garbage. And, and and it's got, like, all the anachronistic stuff, like, at one point they're doing, like, uh, We Will Rock You. The name is escaping me. I'm going to find it for you. Uh, uh, Knight's Tale. Yeah, Knight's Tale. Oh, I've not seen it, but I didn't even know he was on. He's, like, the main character, yeah. Very fun, very anachronistic. Yeah. Oh. He's been in a bunch of really good stuff, but... It's, like, hot blonde version of him on the DVD cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's attractive. Yeah, I, that might be why, because I just... Since I'd only seen him before as the Joker. Oh, yeah, so you... I didn't know his face, right? Mm. Yeah. He was also in a movie called Four Feathers, which, uh, well, he's not the main character in Four Feathers. Or is he the main character in Four Feathers? I think he is the main character. I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he is the main main character. I like that movie a lot, although it doesn't get as much credit as it perhaps deserves. It's a very interesting period film worth watching. But even in this, I mean, he's one of the, the high points in terms of the acting. So He does give a really... He does his damnedest to like make it meaningful. <laughs> He does have, like, his body language is really interesting. Like, he's mm. kind of got that, like, dweeby, like, very shy kind of hunchedness 
he does pull that off really well. Apparently, he was supposed to play the, the Matt Damon's character and vice versa, and I guess they both thought that was stupid and then petitioned to switch roles, which I think is kind of neat where two actors are like, yeah, like we should play the opposite characters. It's just better fit for us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. So there you go. Well, I think we, we got it. I mean, as much as this movie deserves, at least. Yeah. This was, yeah, more. So that means we need to get to our final thoughts and grade. So Daniel, do us the honors. What is your final thought and grade about this movie? My final thought is that there are things, when I was compiling the list of likes and dislikes, it was actually a roughly equivalent number. But the dislikes, I was more firmly disliking about them. And the, the likes were more minor things, if that makes sense. Sure. So when I consider it kind of being a mess of a movie and having some good points, other ones not so much, I ended up with C minus. Oh, wow. You're being really kind. All right. Alex, what about you? So I mostly just think about the fact that what it could have been, you know, it, it could have like on paper, it should have been like a really weird, creepy, funky, funny movie because it could have been a, like a Terry Gilliam movie. And then it's like not enough Gilliam, but still too much Gilliam. So and its greatest sin, as with many of our torture cinema movies, is it was fucking boring. And the fact that Terry Gilliam managed to make a boring movie is like, dang. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a D for disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> That is totally fair. Well, uh, for me, I, yeah, I, I agree. It is it is an incredibly boring, boring film and largely incomprehensible. Like, you can figure out what it's about, but, like, for a movie of this type, the fact that you have to think as hard as Daniel had to think to make sense of the movie, which I know for a fact involved 15 hours of extensive research involving both rewatching of the movie, reading wikis, actually interviewing film experts. Daniel interviewed six different film experts who work in fantasy film and read six academic books on this to figure out what this uh, this movie is actually about. That's not counting the number of papers. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I'm looking forward to the paper that he will then be producing on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coming it's coming in 2024, guys. So just keep keep an eye out. Yeah. It's incomprehensible, it's boring and I just I've seen it twice. This is my second time. I'm good. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to see it again. It's twice as many times as I've seen it. Well, I never will. Yeah, that's not worth seeing again. I would give it a. It's d- like it's not even a fucking laundry folding movie. No, no, that would be worse. Because you have to pay attention to try to figure out what the fuck you're watching. Yeah, it is. Even though it's boring, I will say I do still think it's visually interesting. Yeah, visually, yeah. If you had the volume off and you were like just watching it for visuals only in short little bits like it would be hard to do that for two hours but in short bits it's visually beautiful maybe also it's kind of like that one vampire movie with uh wesley snipes in it that i was like blade blade no 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 no. oh the other one the one he did after he yeah the one the one where the lady has a guillotine she literally uses to behead cows yeah the one after he got out of prison for tax evasion yeah where we were like this man just needed a paycheck but that one is like this like visually gorgeous but makes no fucking sense either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Yeah, so I'll give it a D as well. I mean, it's not... I think it could be more offensive, but and then it would go lower, but I, I'm glad it wasn't, because then I'd be mad, and I'm not mad so much as just... Are, are, you're, are, you're not angry, you're just disappointed? I'm disappointed, yeah. I'm just bored even talking about this fucking movie. Confused. Oh, God, that's so dumb. <laughs> bored confused and i want a popsicle (laughs) (laughs) well in any case folks that's the end of the podcast for us so if you'd like to let us know what you thought about this movie uh you can go to skiffyfanny.com slash listener suggestions you can obviously suggest topics to us send questions to us that we'll cover on other shows and so on um so please go to that and, and let us know what you think you obviously if you're in our discord you can also let us know there if that's what you happen to be so please follow us as Skiffy and Fanti on basically all the social media sites. We have a link tree, link tree slash Skiffy and Fanti. You can find all the places where we are. You can get our newsletter at skiffyandfanti.com slash newsletter. And if you do like what we do and you'd like to come to 
Discord live watches and get some other stuff that's fun and makes you happy inside, please go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty and join for as little as a dollar uh, per month and uh, give us literally every dollar you have left so that we can totally misuse the funds. And then obviously, if you do like the show, please review us on iTunes, not just a rating, also stick like a little comment in there. Um, And if you're on other pod apps, please also put it there because that can be really helpful to boost our profile. Mostly it just helps me feel good inside because sometimes I have sad days and you just, yeah, you just need a boost. So there you go. For me, I'm at SeanDuke.net. I am also on Twitch at Alphabet Streams, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 Central, PM Central. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash thejoyfactory. I'm on also lots of places like Twitter, blah, 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 at Linktree slash SeanDuke. And I do a thing called The Histories at SeanDuke.net slash The Histories. Now shut up because it's now Daniel's turn. Alex. I mean, Daniel can go before me. It's fine. Look, I can't <laughs> read, okay? <laughs> that must be rough for an English professor. <laughs> I make it up. I have a PhD, okay? It's a, it's a basically a professional horseshit degree. That's what that stands <laughs> for, okay? Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, all right. You can find me at this point just on my website, which is catsudon.net, and there's a link there to my Patreon, which I am now going to try to make more active now that I fucking deleted Twitter because Elon Musk can eat my entire trans ass. So, <laughs> catsudon.net. I love that phrase so much. <laughs> you can find me at reading1000lives, reading1000lives.com or at reading 1k lives on Twitter, which I just got back onto after leaving. <laughs> just got back on a few days ago before more shit storms arrived. I was gonna say so, this, like, like, <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're, you're Troy coming into the room yeah. with pizza and everything's on fire. <laughs> and so if there are other options out there, I'd love to hear about them. The problem <laughs> is that it's still even for the science community everybody's using Twitter still. Um, and so if there were better alternatives, I'd be all for it. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out. Maybe there's a Mastodon instance that's an appropriate alternative. So, great. I have to say now a very important thing. I have decided I am going to feed supernatural flies to my cat so that he will grow wings and so he can pull me in a little chariot to places so I can stop spending thousands of dollars on airline tickets that's actually super cute and i think there's like a kid's book out there called kitten wings there we go mm-hmm. see there you go awesome idea totally legitimate see you were trying to make it awkward and you fucking failed because you didn't want to go where the toad was and if you'd gone for the toad you could have made it awkward but i could have you made it cute but i will just say that technically speaking if my cat then farts while flying he becomes yan cat well no because he wouldn't fart a rainbow it would be like spider. He will fart a rainbow because I'll light it on fire. <laughs> no, your cat is farting spiders as he flies across. I just think if he's drawing if he's drawing a chariot with you in it, he's farting spiders into your face. <laughs> <laughs> that you does not sound use, fun. You need to feed him fireflies. I need to fight a firefly. There we go. Okay, great. The worst well, timeline. <laughs> on that note, awkward ending and scene. You're welcome, citizens. You're welcome. <laughs> Cats farting spiders. <laughs> <laughs>